This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. We have breaking news impacting the entire NFL on what we expect to see a bunch of today. Unfortunately, this is a day where so many coaches find out whether they will continue with their teams. And we now know from Adam Schefter in the last several minutes, the Arizona Cardinals fired head coach Cliff Kingsbury, who 10 months ago signed a contract extension through the 2027 season. The remarkable part of that is the Cardinals, according to Shefty, have never had a head coach. Any head coach lasts longer than six years, and this team has existed for over 100 years. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're sitting together in Los Angeles. we got a lot to get to, to, to today, not the least of which is a national championship game we'll be at tonight. But, Harry, the breaking news we start with, Cliff Kingsbury out as the head coach. And I'll say, Fitz, uh, there are going to be people out there that are shocked by this move by the Arizona Cardinals. For me, I'm not shocked at all. When I look I look at you know how the previous years played out for this football team, um, and, and dating back to the very first year when Cliff Kingsbury got the job in 2019 and the Cardinals going 5-10-1. and one. Then the following year, going 8-8 eight and eight after finish, after starting 6-3, and three, but had a ton of meltdowns down the stretch of that season. We looked at them last year. They went 11-7, and seven, but kind of fizzled out again back-to-back years late in the year. We're still able to make the playoffs, but I look how cringy that playoff game was against the Los Angeles Rams before they went on to win the Super Bowl uh, in 2021. That game, you just seen the disconnect. And it's been a ton of disconnect from like the midpoint of the season to the towards the tail end of the season for the Arizona Cardinal and Cliff Kingsbury. And we've seen those things kind of spill over with his relationship with Kyler Murray to the point where Kyler Murray's on the football field yelling at his coach, telling him to calm the beep down and, and whatnot. Things that you don't want to transpire in your organization if you're the owner, if you're the GM, because it's just a negative light, a negative picture being painted around your team. And then you look at this season finishing the year 4-13. and 13. That's not enough. But you did have guys on your football team, enough players, I think, in my eyes, to be able to contend, you know, for a, a playoff berth and contend, you know, to make it to the second round. And I won't say Super Bowl because I can, I, I'm not going to sit up here and lie and say I thought they could contend for a Super Bowl. But I actually thought they had the players across the board to be able to, you know, compete for a playoff bid. Now your quarterback goes down and things just start to look more crazy. But I think the relationship part between him and the disconnect between Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray is something that I don't think ownership uh, enjoyed. I don't think, you know, the general manager enjoyed because for things to work within an organization, the quarterback and the head coach got to get a damn long. It it felt toxic, right? Like there were times this year where you just watched it and you're like, man, this feels – the professional word, icky. It feels gross, right? Yep. And if you're a team, and we're going to talk a lot about this today, we have playoff teams we'll give a lot of praise to, but as we see some of these coaches today that will be let go, it's there is no salary cap for coaches. So if you have a toxic situation and you've paid a quarterback, the coach is always going to lose in that situation because you can get rid of the coach and you can just pay another one. But at some point for the Cardinals, you're going to have to look at it and you're really going to have to ask yourself as an organization, who can get the most out of Kyler Murray? And that's not there you easy. Go. There you go. Not only get the most out of Kyler Murray, but who is going to be that guy that comes into this organization that Kyler Murray respects? And mm. Kyler Murray's not going to be able to run over. 
It has to be an alpha male, but at the same time, an alpha guy that understands how to get the best out of his players while still listening to, listening to them at the same time because you just don't want to go in there and, and say it's my way or the highway. That's not, the, that's not how 2023 uh, works. you got to be able to have balance and be able to you know be that authoritative figure but also at the same time being vulnerable towards your players and listening to what, what they want. But see, the bad side of this is, is because I have someone that I'm very close with on, on their coaching staff and Sean Jefferson, their wide receiver coach. This is the bad side of it because I know he's a damn good coach. Coached me my, my first year in Tennessee, played the game at a very high level. I hate the, these type of things for people like him who I know is a wonderful human being and should have, should have been had an opportunity to, you know, be, a, be in the higher ranks on the coaching level. So I hate that for people like him moving forward. Also the, the father of Van Jefferson that plays wide receiver for the Los uh, 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 Angeles Rams. So – it's 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 a sad part about it also, but I thought it was warranted with Cliff Kingsbury and the lack of what he's been able to do as a head coach with a ton of great players on his team. Yeah, that's the thing. Like you got to look at the roster, and then you got to look at the team and the way it's put together. And if you're ownership, you got to look at it and say, what's going to be different next year, right? And in a year where maybe the Rams didn't live up to expectations in the division, and you thought Seattle wasn't going to be great, turns out they go to the playoffs. The 49ers are able to survive having a third-string quarterback and still look like the team to beat. If you're the Cardinals, you got to look at it and say, man. How are we going to narrow this gap? And if if you don't have the right guy on the sidelines to do it, like I said, they're too pot committed to Kyler Murray to consider anything. Now, Cliff Kingsbury, last night after the game, and this is what always happens after week 18, he was asked if he felt he needed to defend himself, and this is what he said. No, you know, I, I like I said, I'm focused right now just on these players and enjoying the time I have left with them um, tonight and, and tomorrow morning when we meet and, uh, you know, any of that other stuff. Um, we'll, we'll take care of itself later on. Well, tell me um, you knew you were about to get fired without telling me you knew you were about to get fired. <laughs> That's basically what that interview tells me. <laughs> I mean, if if, I, if somebody comes up to Harry, like in life, if somebody comes up to Harry Douglas after the show and says, man, uh, hearing rumors that you and Fitz, this is the last show, and he's like, you know what, I'm just uh, I'm just enjoying the time we have, <laughs> that means we're done, right? Like, yes. I, that, that, that's Harry's way of telling me he's moved on <laughs> to even bigger and better things, and I'm just going to be sitting here holding my rose waiting you for You know what's crazy, though? What's crazy about this whole situation is that what we just heard from Cliff Kingsbury in that interview is basically how the Arizona Cardinals were the last few years, the second half of, of seasons. And, and it's crazy how I can tie those two together. The way he sound, his tone, and just, you know, the disconnect within that interview is exactly what I've seen on the football field from the Arizona Cardinals, supposed to be leader, the tail end of the season the last two years, or I should say the last three years. They organizationally right now need to figure out what takes them to the next step. This is, I think, the most significant hire the Cardinals are going to make for a very long time. It starts with ownership, though, Fitz. Ownership, general manager, starts in the front office. Now, we can question uh, ownership as well because was Cliff Kingsbury qualified to get that job in the first place? You right. see what I'm saying? So it's a lot of different angles we can take with this. But, you know, you see coaches and you see players around the National Football League, whether they're playing right now or they're retired. <laughs> And the one constant with winning organizations is everything starts at the top, right? And it trickles down towards your general manager, to, to your team president, to your head coach, to your coaching staff, to your players. That, that's everything. Now, we can sit up here and ask the question, do we think the Arizona Cardinals are a stable organization? My answer right now will be no. It's not. 
because we just recently seen the head coach and the quarterback get into it on the football field. We recently seen ownership decide to hire Cliff Kingsbury when he had no success in college. So, no, it's not stable in my eyes. Yeah, this is, this is the moment. Every time there's change, you have the opportunity to change the way the entire league perceives your organization. Let's see what the Cardinals can do here. We want to know how you guys are feeling. A lot of playoff teams, a lot of teams today in a bunch of transition. You can be a part of Fitz and Harry Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Cliff Kingsbury is out. We found out last night Lovey Smith was out. That's five coaching changes that have already been made, including the three during the season. We'll keep you updated on any others. But speaking of finals, was last night the series finale for one Hall of Fame quarterback in his legendary stadium? We'll break it down next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Season on the line for the Packers. Third and ten. Green Bay, 33-yard line. Out of the shotgun, three receivers left, one to the right. Lions coming on a blitz. Rodgers takes, looks, lost it. Down the right sidelines, and it is intercepted down the left sidelines. Coming back across the 50, it is Joseph, and he's out of bounds in front of the Lions bench. Wow. 620 WTMJ on the call. They said the Lions had nothing to play for. We thought by the time we got to Sunday Night Football, it was a done deal. In fact, this very network has spent a month telling you that the team you should be most afraid to see in the playoffs could be the Packers. Well, guess what? You don't have to worry about it because they didn't get there. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. All you got to do is say play ESPN Radio. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I'll say it again for the people in the back of the room that weren't listening to HD. The Packers are not going to the playoffs. And shame on all of us that spent the last month anointing them and saying that they were headed there. Shame on everybody that didn't want to give the Lions a chance because on this show we did, boy. On this exactly. show we did. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. And that, that was the thing that blew me up. That, that a lot of people across the world, not just some, not just a handful, not just, you know, a small little piece. A lot of people, majority of people wrote off the Lions, and like Geno Smith says, because you know Geno's happy that the Lions won right now, uh, they didn't write back. <laughs> How dare they count out the biting kneecaps, a.k.a. <laughs> the Detroit Lions. Oh. And I think the thing for me in this ballgame too, though, man, the disrespect that the Lions have for the Green Bay Packers, that's how you know this organization is moving in a different direction. Because, you know, the little trick play they tried to run on third down to pick up a first down, I said, what in the – I literally said, what in the hell is going on? But it, to me it spoke towards the mindset of Dan Campbell and the disrespect and the dislike that he has towards the Packers organization. And then to go for it on fourth down and say, you know what, we're going to put them to bed. You know what, we're going to drown them. You know what, we don't, we don't want them to have a lifeline. The, the Detroit Lions, I'm a fan. And I got to tell you this morning, I am a fan. And for them to be able to start the way they started this season and to finish the way they finished, the future's looking promising. But, 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 but fits. What is Aaron Rodgers going to do moving Ooh. forward? 
Oh, that's the big question. It's Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. And you're, you're talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. Of course. Uh, I mean, my God, Aaron Rodgers is never going to make anything simple. Why answer in one sentence what he could answer well, in a paragraph? Because he's a drama queen. Right, and I, right. And I have no, no issue saying it. So, like, you know, he, he, it's good. He can string this out and, you know, make sure that we spend the next two months talking about it on Pat McAfee's every, every week, which is fine. Uh, but obviously he was asked what he wants to do. Uh, this is a little what he said when he was asked specifically about next season on this press conference. Do you stand on what you want to do next year? I mean, it's a little raw right now. You know, it's just a little bit after the game. So I want to take the emotion out of it and have the conversations and see where the organization's at and see how I feel after some time has passed. So we're back to square one. We're back to what we went through, what, last offseason? We're back. We, here we go again. The revolving cycle, right? It, it, it came back one more time. It only took one season, Fitz, for it to come all the way back around again. I mean, this, there's a spot for me where there's a social media video right now going everywhere of a player asking him for a jersey swap, and he's like, I'm going to hold on to this one. And we've all took and taken that as a, a moment of like, oh, it means Aaron Rodgers is, is gone. He's going to leave. I, look, I don't think any of this is simple, but for me, I'd be more surprised if the Packers don't decide to keep Aaron Rodgers and let Matt LaFleur go than the opposite. Like, I just don't know that the Packers organizationally right now are going to be willing to to do what it takes to get rid of Aaron Rodgers when it'd be much easier for them, like we're seeing with Cliff Kingsbury in a quarterback conference, conference, uh, you know, situation. It's much easier to go in and be like, you know what, uh, whatever you want, Aaron, we'll keep you here, we'll keep you happy, and we'll just let these people I go. think it's two sides to it. And I don't think you're wrong in, in your assessment of what you just said, but before I get to that point, I want to say this. When you look at this football team and you look at the way they're constructed now, the Green Bay Packers in 2022, and I believe moving forward, right, I believe this is a run-first team because of Aaron Jones, who they paid a lot of money to, uh, to uh, also because of A.J. Dillon, also because of that offensive line. I think those guys would love to pass block, I mean run block, more so than they would like to do pass blocking. Plus, it was your bread and butter on that four-game win streak that you did have. I think that's the formula. Run the football and play great defense. Now, was the defense great last night? No, but they were decent enough to win that football game. Against a great offense. Yes. The, the only thing you look at the game, the Lions didn't turn the football over. The Green Bay Packers did. And I said right before the Aaron Rodgers interception, um, I, I, I was at a, a, a little something with some friends last night playing space, by the way, whooping ass wait, on wait, the space wait, table. Wait, 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 so wait, wait, if anybody want to challenge me to a space game, I'm here for it. So, so to be clear, we were at the same hotel in the same city. I've made it clear that I would be your dream space partner. And... I'm sorry. I didn't invite you. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. Now, okay. enough of that. All right, we'll talk about this off offline, okay? Now, I'm sorry. Now, as I was saying, I was whooping ass on the space table, and if anybody wants to challenge me in the space game, Fitz will be my partner. We'll take you down. But I seen the coverage, and I said, they're going to the go route to Christian Watson, and I'll be dang if they did it. Now, if I knew that, you don't think the Detroit Lions and their secondary and Coach Glenn, their de- defensive coordinator, you don't think he prepped his guys for that situation? Even though they hit a go route in a few plays earlier in the in the ball game, I knew it though. I knew it was coming. It's just like Dallas. Uh, uh, the last two or three years, when they needed a big play late in games, they would throw a go route to Michael Gallup. It's film study. All you, that's all you gotta do. It's alarming to me. One thing that you just said: Who turned the b- football over in this game? Aaron Rodgers. Who and did? Aaron, Aaron who, Jones did too. But but who didn't turn the football over? Jared, Jared Goff. Goff. 
Like the guy that we're sitting here saying, can't, man, can't win in cold weather, can't win outdoors, only plays well at home. I get, I get the whole book. This comes down to like one team had everything to play for and another team had literally nothing. By the time they hit the field, they had nothing left to play for other than the pride and the concept of keeping my, my biggest rival out of the playoffs. But they, they came out with more pop. More energy with a better game plan, more, more protection of the football. Like the Lions went out and flat. Like Dan Campbell has the po- the pulse of the Lions in a way that obviously nobody has with the Packers because the Lions came out and they cared more. And I'll, and I'll say this, Fitz, in in that moment when Aaron Rodgers threw that interception, right? The previous drive um, to that, we seen, or maybe in the drive before that, we seen Jared Goff lead his team down the football field, make the throws that he needed to make, and, you know, the Detroit Lions score a touchdown, right? I, th- I think it was a 13-play, 75-yard drive that took eight minutes and three seconds that ended with a one-yard touchdown by Jamal Williams. And shout-out to Jamal Williams because he broke Barry Sanders, um, I think it's a uh, uh, single-season uh, touchdown record. Touchdown, yep. And he gave a great interview about his father and who he was doing it for. But in that moment – for Aaron Rodgers, and you looking and you got Jared Goff on the opposite side, you're saying, okay, the back-to-back MVP winner, the one-time Super Bowl champion, the all-pro quarterback Aaron Rodgers is going to make this play for my team. And in actual reality, when it came down to everyone who was tweeting me when I went on first take, and I said, no, the four-game win streak wasn't because of Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers made some throws, but Aaron Rodgers didn't make that damn throw for the Green Bay Packers to go into the playoffs. It got intercepted. So his mistake – at the end of the game, led to the to the Green Bay Packers not advancing. It's staggering to think of what a level of disappointment this is for the Packers because they fought so hard to get back into the yes. conversation. It's also staggering because the Packers were not good more this season than they were. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. uh, we we let that win streak sort of mask some things, and to have the Lions go in and and really just thump them right, and then have the Lions go in. And be ready for all of – you mentioned a couple of the the creative, let's call it that. Cute play calling, right? Cute play calling the the Lions were ready for. Uh, They were ready for it defensively over and over again. I'll tell you this. What blew my mind is is Matt LaFleur decided on fourth and one at his own 32-yard line. He pulled a Brandon Staley move. Uh And I cringed when he made the play call. I said, what are you doing? Punt the football. And then next thing you know, the Lions get three points off of it. And in a game where both defenses were going to be the difference, three points made all the difference yep. in the world. I, I I am so impressed with what the Lions did. at your own 32-yard line, Fitz. And, and if you're Detroit, you're sitting here saying, man, not only are the building blocks there, but the fact that they came out and played that way in a game that didn't matter. I'm telling you, we, we talked earlier about the culture behind the scenes and how it takes the right person in the right place to create that culture. That's what Arizona's going to try and figure out, right? Well, the Lions have figured it out because Dan Campbell has absolutely put his stamp, his identity on this football team. And you know what? I was going to touch on both, you know, the Aaron Rodgers situation in the game and Matt LaFleur. I'm feeling so good right now. I'm going to save it for another segment. Because you know what? I'm I'm coming in today like a hot tamale, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to save it for later just to make y'all tune in even longer. Uh, There's uh, some more breaking news here also. Cliff Kingsbury, we know, is out at Arizona. That started just as we went to air. GM Steve Keim has also announced that he has stepped away. So uh, it is a now a complete rebuild, obviously, in Arizona, as they will be looking for a new GM, and they'll also be looking for a new coach. We also found out this morning the Browns moved on from their defensive coordinator, uh, 
the Browns have requested permission to speak with Steelers linebackers coach Brian, Brian Flores for their now open defensive coordinator job. That, according to Adam Schefter. In addition to SportsCenter that you hear throughout the show, I promise you we will keep you updated on every one of these moves that happens on what is always a stacked, racked, and packed day across the NFL. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. It was an emotional day yesterday for the Buffalo Bills. It was an incredible win for the Buffalo Bills. But even in locking up the number two seed in the AFC, the Bills may have actually created more questions than they answered. We'll tell you why next. It's Harry and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I put your name first. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. with you, I thought before in the days leading up to the game, wouldn't it be special if we could take that opening kickoff? You know the truth? It was spiritual. It really was. Bone chilling. Like, it was, it, was, it was special. The emotions were high and the result was something we never could have expected as the Bills came out and returned their opening touchdown for a t- uh, the opening kickoff, I should say, for a touchdown. The Buffalo Bills radio network on the call and it just became apparent that that game, as we expected, was going to hit different. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. You guys can hang out with us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. little shameless plug. Harry and I are together in Los Angeles. We'll be doing the pregame show digitally for the national championship game tonight. TCU Georgia will be hanging out with Christine Williamson, Harry Lyles, Andrew Hawkins, Scooby McGaz, a whole crew of us on digital are getting you ready for that game beforehand. So we'll get into some preview of the national championship. But that meant, Harry, we were sitting together yesterday watching football. And the, it was just, it hit different. It was emotional. The special moment of watching the opening kickoff of the game between the Patriots and the Bills, where the Patriots had so much on the line and the Bills had so much emotion. And watching that opening kickoff run back for a touchdown, you could just feel the the outpouring of emotion from every single player, every single coach, everybody. That was It was something I'll never forget. For me, it was a thing of beauty. And it was one of those things where you get the opening kickoff right after so many people were you know, happy about the news and happy because, you know, DeMar Hamlin is trending in the right direction. You can't script, you know what, this kickoff return is going to go for a touchdown. So I think that that was the beauty in the moment. And Naheem Hines did a great job. It was definitely supposed to be a middle return, but him being, you know, so effective in the return game as a football player and just having those instincts, he instantly bounced it outside. And once it gets to a foot race, it's it's gone from there. But I just think Buffalo needed that. I also think DeMar Hamlin need to, needed to see that. Uh, Josh Allen needed that. And we even had Josh Allen talking about that moment as we're going to go to it right now. I can't remember a play that touched me like that, and I don't think in my life. So it's, it's probably number one. It, 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 was, it was just spiritual. And I just, I was going around and I 
just something I was going around my team and saying, God's real. Like, you can't, you can't draw that one up, write that one up any better. Um, and I, I was just told by Kevin Curran, it's been three years and three months. <sighs> Since the last kickoff return, so it's pretty cool. Three years, three months, significant because Tamar Hamlin, of course, number three. And you could see uh, the entire league uh, paying tribute to where he is right now in his recovery process. And uh, really incredible to hear the emotion. And the emotion makes me think about the emotion that we knew was going to be part of this game, Harry. Because there was a moment after that kickoff where it just felt like they the Bills struggled to get in rhythm. They struggled to get in routine. Uh, so understandably yep. so. But this was a Bills team that felt a little off for a lot of that game. Yeah, it was. I think the kick return to lead the game off was very warranted. And also the other kick return that Naheem Hines needed, uh, actually had, was needed from this football team because they didn't play their best football. Right, you had the turnovers. You had the defense giving up, you know, yardage to a, a quarterback in Mac Jones, who a lot of people aren't high on right now. Uh, also, a, a New England football team, uh, from an offensive standpoint, who's not been connected uh, from that side of the ball the entire season. So you've seen some plays being made by New England. Also, you know the ramifications of um, what's at stake. A playoff bid is on the line for the New England Patriots. So you know you're going to try to get their best game and their A game. The Buffalo Bills needed those kickoff returns. They needed that moment. But at the same time, I look at this game, right, and it's 20-17 to 17 with 437 left in the third quarter. And then you have that 42-yard touchdown catch by John, uh, by John Brown, which uh, a phenomenal play by Josh Allen. I don't understand why defenses – let him scramble to the right. That's when he's the most effective, but he can make every single throw on the football field and just a hell of a catch by John Brown. But then, you know, that was followed up by Devontae Parker and Mac Jones driving down the football field. So now you get to the point where you're in the fourth quarter with nine minutes to go and the score is 28 to 23. Mm -hmm. and, and the Bills are scrambling at this point, trying to, you know, make plays so they can seal that victory. But you have that awesome throw by, by, by their quarterback, um, Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs, who is a top five wide receiver in the National Football League. So you had plays being made by your star players at, at, at critical and special moments, but the Buffalo Bills did not play their best football. Yeah, that's the, the wild part about just trying to evaluate the Bills over the last month or six weeks. Because uh, as you mentioned, I mean, we saw some throws from Josh Allen that were, oh my God, incredible. But we also saw a pick that was unnecessarily aggressive right like which seems to be kind of part of what happens this year with the bills like it, well i'll say this it was right before halftime right and normally the buffalo bills are the best team in the national football league and getting points before halftime um josh allen was trying to do a little too much he got the ball intercepted now that play could have came back to haunt him it didn't but it's a learning experience for josh allen because that also happened against the miami dolphins early in the year and it cost them it that cost game. Him a game right right so now you have two incidents where Josh Allen can learn from and say, you know what, I need to stop fooling around because it cost me one game. It didn't cost us against, against the Patriots, but with any opportunity that you have a chance to get points, you need to get those points and you can't be fooling around. Yeah, it. everything, I want to say this so carefully, I understand why things were out of rhythm for the Bills. Right? Oh, it makes Given I mean, the week that they had and the, the lack of focus, there was exactly. gonna be, I, I, I am totally aware of that. I think the Bills, right now, to use the college football terminology we use a lot in talking, the Bills on the eye test 
have a have some work to do. Like yes. the Bills over the course of the last month haven't made it look as easy at times as a team like the Chiefs had, who were you know in fairness you know doing games in the huddle against my beloved Raiders. Like uh, there, there is <laughs> like they were out there patty cake and duck duck goose, and they yeah. weren't they weren't, weren't even there playing ring around the rosy. Yeah, uh, well, uh, right, and, and, and beating and, the hell out of your Raiders, huh? Well, you didn't have to say it that mean. I mean, like that, that <laughs> seems like. But uh, to the answer of, for the Bills. The toughest part is that they don't have that bye week to sort of clear their minds or anything. Significance of playoff expansion. Kansas City gets the bye. Buffalo's got to play next week, right? So the Bills are going to have to figure out a way to, you know, compartmentalize everything and move forward against a, a, a team. Like the playoffs are going to hit much heavier. But I'm, I'm going to put it I'm gonna put it on the head coach, Sean McDermott, right? Because, you know, you have this football game. The emotions were high. Now in our next team meeting, the, what I'm going to say is, hey, listen, guys. You know, DeMar Hamlin, he's doing great now, right? We we have to learn how to transition so the emotion part of it doesn't carry over to the football field while we're trying to compete for a Super Bowl because that's the common goal. And I'm pretty sure, and I, I don't want to put words into DeMar Hamlin's mouth at all by any means, but I'm pretty sure he's looking at things now and how he's um, his trajectory is going and saying, you know what, I need my guys to be right so we can win this Super Bowl. Nothing, yeah. nothing can make it that much more better than us competing for a Super Bowl and going and winning it. Uh, 100%. And the Bills are judged by Super Bowls. Yep. Speaking of teams judged by Super Bowls, there's an NFC playoff team that may have just played their worst game of the year, and now the pressure really hits because it feels like it's Super Bowl or bust. We'll talk about it next. Fitz and Harry, that's the name of the show on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. After Prescott, quick throw to the first. That one is picked off by Fuller at the 20. He's going to walk in. Pick six. Touchdown. Touchdown, Washington. ESPN 630 on the call. Dak Prescott making a throw that this morning Dan Orlovsky said on Get Up multiple times clearly never should have been made. It's not just that the throws are bad. It's the read and the process that seems to suddenly be bad for the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, who now has to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers in the first round of the playoffs. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. And, and look, the Cowboys, you know, they, they come into this, they limp into the playoffs. And it's funny because you and I had real conversations last week about teams that needed to play and not needed, like, and then you just see what Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. They, how they Limp. Limp. So they're, they're limpy. Yeah, they're limpy. Okay. All right. <laughs> we, we got medicine for them. <laughs> yeah, they might need to take a little blue pill before they get into any sort of accident against Brady, uh, which is only ironic. But I mean, at this point, only ironic for Brady. Uh, there's a, there is obviously, speaking of that, Jerry Jones, Cowboys owner, said this at his press conference about what he just saw. We get to suck on that all week. And uh, if that doesn't make you want to. Uh, get ready to go in about six, seven days, nothing else will. And that was as uh, uh, thorough a butt kicking as we've had this year. And uh, uh, we're going to find out if that'll get you ready or not. 
Devin, I'm going to need you to play just the beginning of that one more time. Yeah, one more you time. know where to stop, Devin. Now, now, you know. now first, first, Devin, you know, the Cowboys are limping into the playoffs. Now, Devin, give us a sound. We get to suck on that all. Oh. We get to suck on that all week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are we are glorified children on this show, uh, oh, Jason Fitz, Harry Douglas. But it, it, it uh, there is a moment here for the Cowboys, Harry, where it just looks bad, right? And it's a team with all the talent that I keep saying, "Hey, why don't we get off their backs a little bit? They'll be fine." Man, that's not the way you want to go into the playoffs. Like Rex keeps telling me that the the Buccaneers are old and slow, yeah, but the, the Cowboys right now just look like they're not very good. Well, I look at that game yesterday versus the Washington Commanders from the Cowboys' perspective, right? And I say, okay, this team didn't go out there with, you know, a chip on their shoulder. This team didn't go out there to get better. This team didn't go out there trying to get a statement win before getting into the playoffs. And it just bothers me that we were even having conversations and a conversation that I wasn't on the side of um, what a lot of other people were talking about, hey, the Cowboys should rest their starters. Why in the hell should you rest your starters and you go out there against the Washington Commanders with your starters and get the hell beat out of you? And my thing is that the, the mistakes, right, the lack of focus, the lack of details from the punter not being able to catch his catch a snap, do his job by catching the snap and punting the football, he gets tackled. Then you see Terry McLaurin uh, go, coming across the middle of the field. That gets converted to a touchdown. You got Turpin, the returner. Your number one job as a returner, trust me, everyone, I know. You know, mm. I was a punt returner, and that's the football league. I know. Your number one job is to secure the football. That's your number one job. He muffs a punt. Then you get the pick six by, uh, pick six by Dak Prescott, in which the play before should have been a pick six. Now, the play that he threw the pick six on, we used to call that play split him. You have a bunch formation, right? You have the point man who's going to go over the ball. You have the inside man, which was C.D. Lamb. He's going to arc out a little bit, and he's going to hook up. Hook up. Then by the outside guy in the bunch formation, he's going to run a six-yard out route. Now, the way the corner was playing, Dak Prescott pre-snap could have told himself, you know what, I don't need to go here. The corner broke before the wide receiver broke, literally. But then you had a guy wide open, the guy over the ball that I mentioned, He's wide open. Just hit him with it. The running back in the flat to the left, he's wide open. Just hit him with it. But we see these plays by Dak Prescott, and I've been the guy that defended him in, 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 in a sense of he's a guy that can make miraculous plays and be a guy, be the reason why you win a game. Dak Prescott is also the reason you can lose a game because if you're playing someone worthy, you're going to lose that football game. And they played a team yesterday that's not even to the playoffs, but with Sam Howell at quarterback in loss. And when you think about what you just said about Dak, it reminds me of something we talked about a few months ago when we were just hanging out as buddies. There is a book right now that Dak Prescott comes up to the line of scrimmage and decides before the the plays actually started where he's going to go with the football. That's not good. That's and, not good. And like you know, you've said it. Orlovsky said it. Ryan Clark has said it. Like you need to make sure that your quarterback is adjusting to what the defense actually plays, not what he thinks the defense is going to do. And when I see a confused quarterback dropping back there that's been in this offense for a long time, like there isn't some moment where you're like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like this is not all new to Dak Prescott. We've seen tremendous play from Dak at times. Right now, it seems like he's overthinking or confused. Like somebody, I keep saying this phrase today, somebody needs to get the pulse of Dak Prescott and get my guy to just relax and play football because it doesn't, it, he's too tight. You, you want to know something? After watching Dak throw that pick six yesterday, I have the mindset. Now, I don't – if it's true or not, but I have the mindset that Dak Prescott is going to go into these playoffs now with these turnovers on his mind. 
scared to not mess up and make that play or those plays that he's made over and over again. And that's not going to be great from the quarterback position. Because, number one, you're going against a guy in Tom Brady who doesn't care about anybody else's mental and how bad they've been all season. They just know they got to win. They got a chance to get in the dance. And what I say, Fitz, you get in the dance, you what? You got a chance. You got a chance. And right now, at this moment, on Monday at what time? At 12.52 um, Eastern time. I'm taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to win that first-round matchup. The other reason that I think you might be right, even though I, I buy the argument that Tampa Bay is not very good either, it, to me, there's not room for mistakes from Dak because the defense for the Cowboys has fallen apart. Like yep. When Sam Howell carves you up a week after you know Josh Dobbs, who was barely in the NFL at that point, carves you up, a week after Gardner Minshew puts up 34, like, and we've seen that the Eagles didn't look good other than that with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. Like They are getting carved up by quarterbacks that – are barely in the NFL. What in the hell is Tom Brady going to do to him? Like that's that that's going to be like watching a Michelin star chef come into a Denny's and make your breakfast sandwich. Like it's it, he's going to absolutely do whatever he wants to. This and I leave I leave with this last thing, Fitz. When it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, right? If the quarterback position isn't right, if they aren't running the football effectively, if they're not getting pressure and sacking the quarterback or getting these made getting turnovers in a major way, they're not going to win a football. They're not winning football games. I promise you they're not going to win in the playoffs. They feast off sacking the quarterback and getting multiple turnovers. They feast off of it. I can't believe I'm I'm buying into this because I've spent all year saying the Bucks aren't any good. But the way that they have coach to beat got the Bucks you. Coach got you. is they're going to have to turn around and they're going to have to rely on Brady to make mistakes and then Dak not to make mistakes. That doesn't feel like a great formula to me. Like it just it feels like that maybe doesn't lay out the way uh, that anybody wanted it to. We'll keep breaking down all the action, obviously, but. This is a huge day also in the NFL for teams that did not make the playoffs. We've got the latest news from the NFL. One coach and GM combo that went to the playoffs last year is now gone. We'll tell you about it. ESPN Radio, Fitz and Harry. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 